0: Uh let's go ahead and turn in our bibles to the book of Psalm chapter 23 Psalm chapter 23 we're actually going to finish up the psalm uh this uh this uh today this week um, and uh move on to a different subject matter uh that uh, we'll uh dress obviously but uh um, we've we've talked a lot here about the shepherd and what the shepherd does and how the shepherd uh, gives us these wonderful blessings that we have in our lives and what the shepherd is clearly communicating to us. And uh, I want us to to go through this this morning and uh, just go back through, reread this so we can get the context of this last phrase. And in verse 1 it says, "'The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. "'He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. "'He leadeth me beside the still waters.'" Forever, Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. I thank you again for an opportunity, Lord, where we can come and study your word, and Lord, we can grow thereby. And Lord, I pray that this morning our hearts would be ready and receptive for what you have for us, that Lord, that this time would be a time where we seek to please you and honor you by, Lord, being obedient, and also, Lord, by understanding the context that is here. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would just commune with us and talk with us and teach us that, Lord, we would have a very clear understanding of this passage and this final phrase about dwelling in your house forever. And, Lord, may we find the comfort and the contentment that we need so desperately in our lives with that phrase. Lord, I pray you be with me and be with my mind and my mouth, Lord, that all this would please you and honor you and glorify you in your name. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we find here in this last passage where he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In each one of these phrases, as we look at this and as we've gone through all of it, we can see very clearly that connection to the very first phrase. That very first phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. And as the psalmist goes through this, you can see that declaration being true with everything that is being said. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. It makes it makes it clear. You go into the the next verse, verse 2, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. As you go through the entire passage, you can just, if you will, take that phrase and kind of put it at the beginning, because that is the context of this entire psalm. God being that shepherd for us and i it, it's something that we have to have on a continual basis a continual reminder as we've gone through and seen all of these blessings that are here that the, the the sheep receive from the shepherd how how truly blessed we are as christians to understand that when we have jesus christ leading us and we are being very submissive in following him we find that these benefits exceed what we could ever possibly desire. And when we get to this last one here, <coughs> pardon me, where he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, there is this, there is a, not only a comfort that is there and a consolation, a confidence with all of this, but we, we see here that this psalmist begins to truly enjoy the things of heaven even before he has actually experienced heaven itself, and, and I dare say that you know we walk around in this Christian life in the flesh, and we don't realize how truly blessed we are. We don't realize that the the, the, the understanding of this context, the understanding of this phrase, the understanding of what the psalmist is communicating about this promise that exists because of the Lord being our shepherd. See, when we go astray and when we decide to do what we want to do and we decide to be sheep of our own pasture or we decide to be sheep of somebody else's pasture, we wind up being in a very difficult place in this life. And and, and as as I talked about, um, there's there's a book that talks about uh, um, this from the perspective of of an actual shepherd. In England, he went through, and he he had sheep, and he, he when he began to look at all of these things, and in context of this this passage here, he would look and he would relate, and he would see how in the fields there would be those sheep that were on the other side, that were of another shepherd, that were of another sheepfold, and how that shepherd was not a good shepherd, but that shepherd was one that thou treated the sheep, that did not care that had no concern for them. And those sheep that would be pressed up against that fence, looking at those sheep that were content and happy on the side of the sheep, you know, on on the sheepfold where there was was care exhibited towards those sheep. Because that shepherd wanted to have those sheep, wanted to care for them, wanted to, to treat them well. See, the devil doesn't do that. The devil is not a good shepherd. The devil doesn't care. The world doesn't care. The world is not a good shepherd at all. The world will lead us astray and lead us into horrible ways that eventually kill us and fill us with, if you will, the iniquity and sin diseases that exist. And what we find here is this shepherd, after declaring all of these things, he says that with his contentment, this is where my home is. This is where I belong. You know, everybody in this life seeks to belong to something. They seek to belong to someone. They seek to belong to uh, uh, um, something, some greater purpose in life, whatever it may be. They, they're all seeking something in this life toward their identity. And our identity... As a Christian, is a sheep. Is a sheep of his pasture. And with that, there are all of these benefits that we receive, but here, he can truly say, I, I've found the place where I belong. And people go out in this world and they try to find themselves they try to go through this process of somehow you know cathartically going through you know trying to to figure out all the, the things that have happened in their life and and come up with some sort of identity that they may have but that identity is 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 just it's nothing because as we look to ecclesiastes we see that it's all vanity the true belonging is when we belong to the Lord, when he is our shepherd, when we can truly make that statement, the Lord is my shepherd. We see this benefit here of I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Turn over, if you will, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. In John 14, here at this uh, this uh last supper, Jesus Christ is telling his disciples, Something very serious, but at the same time, something of a great comfort. He's telling them that he's going to depart, but he's departing for a reason. He's departing to do something. In verse one, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Now in a few, few short hours, their heart was going to be very troubled. They were going to see Jesus Christ led away captive. Some were going to see the brutalization. Some were going to see the crucifixion. But all would forsake him and all would hear of his death. They would be troubled for a period of time. But he's saying, don't be. Don't be troubled. Don't be, because he makes it very clear. He says in in verse 2, This is a great, great promise that he has. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If we think about that just for a moment, where he's talking about the house of the Father, and how great this house is, to have a house that is filled with mansions, is, is is something that we could barely even begin to fathom, but yet that is the house of the Lord you know obviously, when we see here in in, in verse twenty three uh, or excuse me in chapter twenty three of psalms we, we understand that there's also the context of of being in the house of the Lord, which is soon is to be built that tab- uh, that tabernacle was all that this psalmist knew was all that David knew. But there would soon be that temple that Solomon would build and it was referred to as the house of the Lord over and over and over and over again. But the house of the Lord is, is, is more than just a building. The house of the Lord is in his presence. The house of the Lord is when we dwell with him and when we abide with him as he told his disciples over and over and over again throughout his, his, his ministry where he says, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. And here we find in this passage very clearly in John chapter 14, he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. And he's he's making a statement and he's saying, look, if, if this is not true, I would have flat out told you that this was not true. But it is true, and with that, there is such a great comfort because we know that there is a preparation that exists. You know, when we have guests that are are coming over to our house, sometimes you go through a preparation process. We tidy things up, we clean things, so on and so forth. But if we have a guest that is coming for a long-term stay, there's preparations. Maybe we need to, to, to get a bed for them. Maybe we need to get a mattress and, and, and uh, you know bed coverings and, and uh, whatever things are necessary, extra towels or, or something that they may need that, that's going to help them during this time. But this is, this is so much more that the Lord is preparing for us. There's so much more when we begin to realize that, 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 that fellowship of the relationship that we have in Christ with the Father because of what Jesus has done for us. And he makes it very clear in verse 3, he says, And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now, let's think about this just for a moment. Here he is saying that where I am, you are going to be with me. There is no greater promise that we as Christians have in this life than to understand that he will never leave us nor forsake us, according to Hebrews 13.5. That there is nothing that will separate us from the love of God, according to Romans chapter 8. When we wonder understand that, and we understand that we are dwelling in him, and he is in us, as the book of Ephesians talks about, we understand that that is our permanent dwelling place. Our permanent dwelling place. How many of us have lived in our the house that we were born in? How many of us continue to dwell there? Very few of us would ever say we have. There's a few people in this life that may have. How many of us dwell in the first house that we ever purchased? How many of us have moved more than five times? <laughs> How many of us have moved more than twenty times in our lifetime? I sat down one time and I calculated it and I said, I don't want to ever move ever again. <laughs> I don't ever want to move ever again. I sat down in my my early twenties and I calculated how many times I had moved, and I was like, "Okay, you know what? I'm kind of done. I'm kind of done. Yeah, I've I've got this down pat. I know how to I know how to move. I know how to pack. I mean, many of us probably have that down. We can we could we could probably pack our stuff in our sleep. We could easily throw it into the back of a U-Haul. We know what to get rid of. We know what to to keep." We know how to delicate you know or wrap the delicate things, the precious things. But you realize that once you have trusted Christ as your savior, that there is no way you can get out of that sheepfold? Yeah. Now, now look, I understand that we can wander and we can do things of that nature, and I understand that we can get out of the will of God very very quickly. But you know what? The Lord is ever near. The Lord is ever present with us. He's there. He's there. It doesn't matter what you've done. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Not us. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And praise God for that verse. And and when the fellowship is strained and the fellowship is broken, we can come back and we can draw near to him, and he draws nigh to us we i mean he hes he is willing to put in that effort if we draw nigh. I want us to think about that. you know a lot of people when they they do things they they make the other person put in the effort, right? but not our Savior. We put in a little bit of effort, and He puts in a lot, doesn't He? Isn't it amazing how you can begin to start seeking the Lord through repentance and godly sorrow, and then what happens? The Lord begins to speak to you. The Lord begins to show you things. You begin to grow in Christ. There's an amazing thing that happens there. And when we begin to realize we're talking about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, here he is saying, wherever I am, you're going to be with me. Wherever I am, you're going to be with me. I cannot think of such a a great promise as that. Go over to the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, and take a look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 We know that, that obviously Abraham was seeking something. He was seeking that that that, uh, uh, that dwelling place. And we find here in uh, in, in verse ten, talking about uh, uh, Abraham, it says, "For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God." Something very different than what this world has. Now, here is the friend of God, as he is called, seeking something that is made by God. Now, if we if we call ourselves friends of Christ, and he says you're his friends if you keep his commandments, if we are doing that and we are seeking that, then we should be seeking what God builds, not what we build. We should be seeking what God builds. In verse 11, it says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged who had promised. Sarah had faith because God was faithful. That demonstration first. And it says in verse 12, Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and multitude, and as the sands the sand which by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, having not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he hath prepared for them a city. And you go over and you read about New Jerusalem coming down as a bride, and it's just a fantastic thing to see in the book of Revelation. And you get to see how the Lord is communicating all of the wonderful things about no more death, no more sorrow, no more sin, all of these things that, that, that the world wants, but the world can't obtain. But here we are as sheep in this pasture, and we get to say, I am already part of that. That is my dwelling place. That is where my heart is, is has set its affections upon. Not on things of this world, but on the things of Christ. But on the things of Christ. If you take a look at Hebrews chapter 13, and in several passages, and we read verse 5, Where it says, Let your convers or um, quoted part of it, verse five, let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I love verse five. Because the context is often not mentioned, is it? We know that he will never leave us nor forsake us, but where's the context? The context is is you are content with that. If that's all you had, Would you be content? Nothing else in this life. Would your conversation be content to say, I am the Lord's, He is mine, and that's it. That's all I need. I don't need anything else. What else could there possibly be that we would want? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because He is my shepherd. Here the psalmist is very clearly communicating that, and in the same context, uh, uh, the one that penned the book of Hebrews is, is mentioning the same thing. Jump down there to verse, uh, uh, verse 14 where he says, uh, for here we have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Everything in this life we know ends. Everything in this life ends. Back in the 70s, at one point in time, there was droves of people leaving the city of Seattle. There was so much of a joke of, it said, the last person to leave Seattle, please make sure you turn the light off. Interestingly enough, there are fewer people moving to the city of Portland, and there are more people leaving the city of Portland. Right now, that is what is happening. The city of Portland is dying. I mean, that was a a great, vibrant city at one point in time. But but now, because of the sin and the iniquity and everything that's happening there, it is dying. Cities come and cities go. Just ask Sodom and Gomorrah. (laughs) They were wiped out. You go over to the book of Jonah and Nineveh was, was going to be completely destroyed if they did not repent. Cities come and cities go. The city of Jericho that fell and was never to be rebuilt was rebuilt. The cities that we see mentioned throughout all of uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament many times have been trampled upon and rebuilt. There are cities over in Ukraine that have been just decimated and destroyed, wiped out, may never recover. People may never go back and rebuild. But what we seek is something that is more sure than that. And this is the confidence that this psalmist has. This confidence is very clearly, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not a, I hope so. Not I will probably be there. But this is a 100% surety because the Lord is his shepherd. He knows this without a shadow of a doubt. And this is this is the mindset of what a sheep should have. This is the mindset that we as Christians should have. Take a look at verse twenty of Hebrews chapter thirteen. It says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Now again, this is this is a partial of a thought, but I want to point out that part where it says the blood of the everlasting covenant. That blood that was shed for us was a sealing of a covenant with us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. The promise that we have. And it is so great for us as Christians to believe that and to understand it and to keep it as the meditation of our heart and of our mind. If we don't do that, then we're missing out on the greatest blessing that we could ever have, which is the relationship with God, to dwell with Him, to dwell with Him. You know, we we, we often talk about there's a big difference between a home and a house. We talk about a house being just a building. Many of us live in a house or maybe we live in an apartment or maybe we live uh, wherever it may be. But, but I will tell you this, that, that, that what builds something together are the tight relationships of family, of the people that are there. Those that dwell together in unity. And that, that, that makes it into a true home. And here this psalmist is saying, that's my home. That's my home. This is where I'm going to be. As long as my my Lord is my shepherd, I'm going to dwell there with him. I'm going to have that relationship. I'm going to have that connection. I'm going to have that, 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 that fellowship with him. Because we saw over there, where Jesus Christ tells his disciples, with a, with a great deal of comfort because they're about ready to go through one of the most difficult parts of their of of their belief trying of their faith. He says where I am there you shall be also. And as a Christian we have to understand that. I mean here here we are we're seeing David and he's enjoying this. Now look, here we are in this earth, and we understand that this earth is corrupted. We understand we get sick. We we, we age. Uh, Things don't remain the same. Sin exists. All of these things we find in this Christian life, as we go through and look at and look at the world and say, man, things things are corrupt. There's a lot of things that, 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 that have been tainted because of sin. But how many of us truly enjoy heaven even before we get there, like the psalmist is doing here? He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, we know what happens in the future. If you are trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? We have that great hope and that great promise. And it is a sure hope because, again, it is sealed with the blood of the everlasting covenant. And it is sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And it is bound because of his word that he has given to us because God is not a man that he should lie. So we know that without a shadow of a doubt. And we believe it and we trust it and we have faith in it. And we as Christians, when we look at this, we begin to see all of those things of a future event taking place. And we look forward to that. Whether we pass, be it through death, or whether we are taken out of here and caught up in the air with him, regardless of whatever it may be, we all look forward to those things, right? But when have we truly sat down and said, I'm going to enjoy the blessing of heaven right now? I'm going to enjoy what the Lord has given me right now. You know, we we look forward to the day when we see our savior. Would you understand you can see your savior right now? All you have to do is look to the word of God to know him. Are we content with that? Are we content with understanding that as we go through this this life, that we still have something that is better, that we look forward to, but yet in this life we can still say, I am going to dwell in the house of the Lord. I'm going to dwell with Him. Take a look at, at a couple other psalms. Go to Psalm chapter 27. And see how the psalmists re- respond here. Psalm chapter 27 <clears throat> We get so caught up in this world, I, I, I dare say, we, we, we get into that ecclesiastical mind. What I mean by that is the mind of the flesh. We get so caught up with the things of the world, we get so caught up with the things that are vanity, that we forget what is truly real. Do you, I mean, do, we, do you honestly realize that what we have now, the reality of it, is is really temporal and the real true reality is eternity this is nothing compared to what lies ahead that should get you excited that should get you thinking But here the psalmists are saying, look, I'm going to take what I know that I have, and I'm going to apply it to my life right now. That relationship. I'm not just going to think of it as some future event. I'm going to take possession of it now in my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, right now. Take a look at Psalm chapter 27 and take a look at verse 4 here. He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord That will I seek after. What is this? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This is what he wants. This is, again, what the psalmist wants. And again, remember, the temple hasn't been built yet when David wrote this. So what temple is he talking about? The temple that exists in heaven. He knew that he could he he could pray to the Lord that he could inquire of God and God would answer him. You remember how despondent all of a sudden Saul became when he could no longer get an answer when there was no answer from the unum and the Thummim, when there was no answer from from uh, from the high priests, when there was no answer from prophets and the man of God, and there was silence. And he had to resort to going to a witch which he hated and sought to kill. And there he, that's what he resorts to because he just so much desired to hear something from the Lord. And he went about it the whole wrong way. That was King Saul. And you know, David saw all of that and he took a warning from that. And he said, I don't want to lose that. You know what I desire? You know what I'm going to seek after? I'm going to seek after this. I'm going to seek after in verse 4, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And again, he's not talking about a physical house. He's not talking about the tabernacle. He's not talking about the soon-to-be-built temple. He is talking about the presence of the Lord right now. That in his days of his life here on earth, that he was going to dwell with the Lord. You know, we can do that on a day-to-day basis. Now look, that doesn't mean you get to come here and live in the church, all right? I mean, yeah, we got a nice fantastic baptismal back there that uh, has has great uh, warm water. I got it ready this morning, you know, last night, and I left the heater on. I came in this morning, tested the water. It was a nice 100 degrees. To be, it's gonna be a boiling baptism. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tempered now. It's, it's calmed down a bit, but it's a nice sauna. I'll go in there. You turn the jet on, and you'll be just like ah. <laughs> it's relaxing. You, you don't get to come here and bathe in the baptismal. All right. It's not the purpose of it. All right. <laughs> this is this is not a living quarters. As a matter of fact, it's forbidden by city and state statutes. Can't live in here. It's not a dwelling place it 's not a domicile, so when we realized that, that, that david couldn 't dwell in the, in the tabernacle, there was no bed, there was no cot that was there. as a matter of fact, you find individuals that were dwelling in the temple over there in the book of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah got a little upset, grabbed a hold of somebody by the hair and drug him out. Always remind people of that. That's always going to happen in a church service. <laughs> and you, you begin to realize this is talking about something greater than a physical building. This is a relationship. And he says, all the days of my life, I'm going to dwell with the Lord i 'm going to be in his house i'm going to be in his presence i'm going to be at his footstool i'm going to be there to, to 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 plead with him to praise him to 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 pray to hear of him to receive of him all these blessings as the shepherd turn to psalm chapter sixty five again we see another another psalm that was written in a similar fashion psalm chapter sixty five and take again a look at verse, uh, look at verse four. Blessed is whom the man that thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Are we satisfied with the house of God? Are we satisfied to be dwelling in His presence? Are we satisfied to receive that from Him? I mean, here He is, you know, receiving us because we have received Him as our Lord and Savior. And we have this opportunity, and here He's saying, we should be satisfied with the goodness of thy house. Is dwelling in the presence of God good for you? Are you satisfied if that is the only good you receive in this life? Again, I think of the, the the words that that Shepherd was writing, talking about those those sheep that were on the other side of the fence. They couldn't get there. They couldn't get there. So desperately longing for the grass, so desperately longing for care and for comfort, and not having any because they belonged to a different Shepherd. Take a look at Psalm chapter eighty four. And there's several, a couple of verses here in Psalm chapter 84. Again, in Psalm 84 verse 4, it says, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still, or they will be still praising thee. You know, here's the psalmist saying all of these things, and what is he doing? He's praising God throughout all of this. He's speaking of the blessings that he has, the confidence and trust in the Lord as the shepherd, and he's praising God throughout all of this, and he praises him by saying, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And here the psalmist is again saying, you know what? They're still going to be praising you. If you dwell in the house of the Lord, you will still be praising God. But when we lose sight of the fact of where our our dwelling place is, where we abide, the praise dries up, doesn't it? We don't praise God the way we should. The reason we don't praise God the way we should is because obviously we're not content being dwelling in, in, in his house. We don't realize the blessings that are there. We think the world's going to offer us more blessings. But the world doesn't. You know all it offers? A muddy pasture with very little food and a bunch of parasites. And an abusive hireling of a shepherd. That's all it offers. That's all it offers. You know what? There's not very many people that will go out there and praise the world for all its benefits. They'll try to do it. They'll try to praise man. They'll try to lift man up. And then what happens? Man fails him. Oh, yeah, everybody can get along in peace and safety until Russia decides to invade. (laughs) Oh, we can all get along in peace and safety and have great communities until there's a mass shooting. Oh, we can all get along in peace and safety until somebody is murdered. Take a look at verse 10 of Psalm 84. It says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tenants of wickedness. he would rather just stand at a door and open it and close it all day long than to dwell comfortably in a tent. He says better is one day, one day in the presence of God, than a thousand without. This is part of that better. This is part of the better that, that, that we as, as Christians begin to see. And I want to point something out. to Turn over to Psalm chapter 101. Notice what's not going to be there. In the presence of the Lord... Psalm chapter 101, in verse 7, it says, He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. You realize that that's not going to be there? It's not going to be there. These individuals that, that that are working deceit, these individuals that tell lies, those are not going to dwell there. You know what that means? There's confidence in dwelling with the Lord. There's no lies. There's no reason to mistrust. There's no reason to question. There is simply this. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A blessing beyond blessings. I mean, here we are talking about this continual fellowship in a relationship with our Lord. And I think sometimes we miss out on that. I think sometimes we miss out on the fact that if God says he's never going to leave us nor forsake us, and nothing's going to separate us from him, that means that we can have a continual relationship. If we remain in the sight of the shepherd, if we remain in him, if we remain there, and to choose to, to say, "I want to, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever," then this is something so great that we have that the world cannot even begin to compare to. How how can the world compare to it? The only constant in this life is change. It just continually happens over and over and over again. But the Lord never changes. The Lord is still as good as he was a thousand years ago as he is today and will be a thousand years from now. Do we trust that goodness? Do we trust him as that good, that great, that chief shepherd that the psalmist is talking about? And I want you to go back and look at verse six of psalm twenty three and think about this where he 's talked about surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and he knows very clearly that happens when the shepherd is is, is the shepherd, but here he 's saying, "I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever here he he 's content with that he doesn't want any other sheepfold why because that shepherd isn't there. That shepherd isn't there. That shepherd that, that wrote the book, talking about the shepherd's psalm here, from from that perspective, he wrote about how his his neighboring shepherd that had his little sheep ranch over there, and these sheep would be so sickly, and they would just they would huddle in these masses, all trying to stay warm together, in the middle of a storm, getting soaking wet in the mud, nothing to eat. All sorts of parasites in the ground and around them and all, you know, filled with all sorts of diseases and blight all across their skin. So, so weak. And they 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 just were sitting there wanting some, some a hole in the fence so that they could get through, right? And because of the location of where it was, their fence went all the way down to the sea. And the sheep knew that at a certain time that the tide would go out that there would be a hole from where the fence end would end and the the water would begin that they could get on to the other side and they would they would they would know and they would run down there and they would get over into this shepherds land and they would just begin to gorge themselves with food and they would gorge and gorge and gorge to the point of where they made themselves so sick because they hadn't had good food and their stomachs couldn't take it any longer. And he remembers one day, he comes up and he sees under a tree, he sees these three little uh, ewe lambs just laying there, just moaning in pain with their bellies bloated because they were so sick. They had, they had come across onto his land. And he gently picks them up and he puts them on a cart and he takes them back over to to his evil shepherd. And the evil shepherd just looks at them and, and without a care, without a care, takes out his knife and slits the throat of the three lambs right there. Just kills them. And then just he pushes the bodies off the cart and says, thank you. And that's it. that writer's sitting there thinking to myself, well, if this isn't the devil, I don't know what is. Isn't that the way the devil treats us? And he was reminded of John chapter 10. Turn there, John chapter 10 and verse 9. And he was reminded that there was only one way. That there was only one way. <clears throat> the world will go out there and they will tell you there's more than one way to dwell in the house of the Lord. No, there isn't. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is the words of Jesus Christ. And he said that, and it is truth, and he meant it. There is no other way. There is no back door into heaven. And as he took those three little lambs, he knew what was going to happen to them. He knew that if he returned them, that they were going to die. He knew that they were on their way out already dying because they were so sick. And he kept sitting there thinking, "If if these were only my sheep, if these were only my sheep, if these were only my sheep, but they weren't. They weren't, And what we find here is we find that in John chapter 10, in verse 1, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And he goes through all of this, and you get down to verse 9, it says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. He's the door. Not only is he the shepherd, but he's also the, the, the door to, for, for entrance for the sheep. Those sheep came in another way. And they couldn't be saved. There is no other way to be saved except Jesus Christ. There is no other way to be included in that sheepfold. There's no other way to be sheep of his pasture except by him. And this is why the psalmist declares very boldly and very confidently and very much with with an affirmation of saying, I don't want to be in any place else that my shepherd is not. He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not only is he making, if you will, a vow of a declaration of doing it in this life, but he's also speaking of the promise on the other side. And this is such a blessing that we have when the Lord is our shepherd. You know, the world has no shepherd. They have a bunch of hirelings out there that do not care. But our shepherd is so great our shepherd is so caring and compassionate. And as we go through and we've read all of these things about this, this shepherd and what he does for us, there couldn't be any other description of how great of a shepherd he is to us in our life. And look, I, I want to remind us that if we as Christians here today realize that he is our shepherd, we can boldly declare and say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know what that means? That does mean obedience. It means realizing there is no greener grass. It is realizing that there is no better water. It is realizing there is no better treatment. It is realizing that even though we get corrected when we try to wander a little too far and we are one of those fence walkers looking for that hole, that that when he returns us back to the fold and we are back there and he takes care of us and when we get sick... He cares for us and, cleanses us and cleanses us and gets us back on the right track. All of these things. And He does it with such great care and compassion. The world does not offer that. The world does not offer that. And here very clearly we see the psalmist declaring, the Lord is my shepherd. Who is our shepherd this morning? Who's going to be the shepherd of our life? You know, we we get to choose. But there's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. There's no other way to get these blessings. There's no other way to receive this. These aren't worldly, physical things. This is so much more than that. This is so much more than that. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's go ahead and be dismissed with a word of prayer, Dear Heavenly Father. Again, I thank you for the time. Thank you again, Lord, for this opportunity to read Your Word and Lord to hear uh, what You have for us. Lord, I pray that we would take these things to heart. That as we've studied this out, Lord, that we would just continue to go back and refresh our mind and and Lord remember in our heart and meditate upon these blessings. That Lord, we would truly make that decision. The Lord, you would be our shepherd, The Lord, we would follow you, we would heed your voice, we would listen, and we would seek you. The Lord, we'd have such great confidence in you and you alone, not in ourselves, but in how great you are as that chief shepherd. Lord, I pray you just continue to meet with us for the 11 o'clock hour, that, Lord, this time would be pleasing and honoring, and glorifying to your name, Lord, that we would grow in you, And I ask and pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.